Glory be to Christ. First couple songs were about another besides Christ. One word. The word is found in Romans 6.1. Grace. We'll see it again in uh, 12 to 14, which is our text for today. In Christ, my body belongs to God. The culture is preaching to us constantly and is applying this preaching. And what are they saying? Four words. My body, my choice. That preaching and application can influence our lives as well. In fact, it does because we don't live in a bubble. We live uh, in a culture trying to influence a culture while minimizing the cultural influence on us. The more resources that we have, including prosperity and technology, they extend from our bodies and magnify really who is ruling our hearts. Romans 6 12 to 14 are three verses, and if you like to take notes, let me encourage you, each slide I'm going to add to verse 12, and then, so if you want to make a, a main point for Romans 6, 12, and then leave yourself some, some gap, because every slide I'm going to add to verse 12, I'm going to add to verse 13, add to verse 14, and then hopefully apply it at the end. In Christ... My body belongs to God. This is one of the foundational Christian truths. Whenever God redeems you, when He saves you, He buys your body. <coughs> Our bodies, in verse 12, are called mortal bodies. We'll see the, prog the progress of sin and grace. So let me uh, do a review. We have looked at these verses before, and I have a tickle in my throat, and I may have to cough my way through this whole message. So <coughs> how has this idea of sin and the law progressed in Romans? Well, Romans 3.20 uh, we're not going to go back and look at these, but I'll just give you the references. The law brings increased knowledge of sin, and grace gives knowledge of a gift of righteousness. You'll see in Romans 3.20 that <clears throat> the, law, the law tells us that we know that we're sinners. And then four verses later... Grace gives knowledge of a gift of righteousness. I'm just going to continue. Romans 4, 15, the law brings a guarantee of transgression. If we are trusting in Christ, which Romans 14 tells us, Romans 4, 15 tells us, we are guaranteed that we are lawbreakers, and if we are guaranteed that we're lawbreakers, we deserve God's wrath. That's Romans 4.15. 
The very next verse, 4.16 says, but grace brings... Um, but grace brings a guarantee of God's promise. Thank you, Dan. We don't like guarantees of transgression and wrath. But opposite of transgression and wrath that the law brings, grace opposite that brings a guarantee of God's promise. Now, we all love that guarantee. I went out to purchase a new fridge yesterday, and there was a guarantee of a year. And do you want to buy the extended guarantee, which I didn't get, and in five years I'll tell if that was a good <laughs> decline or not, depending on if I needed uh, repairs on the new fridge that's supposed to be coming this week. But we like guarantees and a promise uh, from a company that they're going to stand by their product. Grace brings a guarantee of God's promise. And then Romans 5.20, the law brings increased trespassing. All you have to do to, to increase someone's breaking of the law is tell them not to do something. Like if I told you, don't look at the ceiling. Don't look at the ceiling. What are you really wanting to do right now? You want to look at the ceiling. There's nothing up there other than it's always been like that, okay? And I see several of you looking at the ceiling. I told you not to look at the ceiling. All I did was I gave you a law. It was a pointless law. But in giving you that law, it made you want to transgress it. The law brings increased trespassing. People can trespass on our property here. And as soon as we put posted signs around, it just increases maybe the trespassing on our property. But grace, though, is greater than the law. And what we're going to see today in Romans 6, 12 to 14, is that there is a competition for who's on the throne of your heart. As a Christian, Romans 6 to 8 is about is written to Christians. And this passage in particular, if you look at verse 1 and verse 15, we're in the middle of verses 1 and 15. Paul asks a question. A couple questions. What are we to say then in verse 1? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Why can't we just sin and get more grace? And let's skip down to verse 15, which we'll see next week, Lord willing. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? And then he says that by no means again. All right, so this passage answers the question, can we just continue to sin as Christians because we're not under law, but under grace? Back in verse 1, can we just sin because the more we sin, the more grace we get? And he's going to answer both of those questions with absolutely not. We cannot think this way as Christians. And he's going to give us reasons why we can't think this way. In verses 12 to 14, we have this uh, comparison. So what I'm going to do is go through uh, the terms. It's very important to define terms. And you may be new, newer to our church, and what we do here is we go through God's Word. We try to magnify two things. We might magnify Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, 
and we try to magnify His Word. It's that simple. When you come here, when you sing, when you hear God's Word, we're trying to do two things. Magnify Christ and magnify His Word. And so this year, maybe uh, you can think about how to live your life in a way that magnifies Christ and magnifies His Word. Um, And so as a church, it's simple. We gather as His people to worship Christ and to learn from His Word and apply His Word. And this passage is going to help us as the culture is preaching to us. It's your body, your choice. Do with your body whatever you want. And as you have a cell phone, as you have internet access, you have a massive amount of resources that's going to magnify what you think of who really controls your body. And as Christians, we need to use our resources, technology, and our finances in particular to magnify our Savior because He is ultimately ruling our hearts. So, verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore. Therefore is building on what He has said before. I know it's been about four weeks since I've preached in uh, December 3rd. But you can go back and uh, rewatch that or read uh, Romans 6, 1 to 11. Verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign. That's the word control or rule or see elsewhere uh, in this passage, have dominion over. Sitting on the throne in your mortal body. Okay, we're going to define some terms here. And we don't use mortal body probably a lot in our normal conversation of day to day. So your mortal body is your physical body susceptible to death. And many of us have been sick lately. And when you wake up sick, you're thinking, this, you may not think this exact word, but this mortal body. I'm attached to this mortal body. This body is not getting stronger. It's getting weaker. It's getting weaker. It's getting weaker. And that can really discourage you if you don't know Christ. But Romans 4 and 5 and 6 up to this point assumes that you are, you do know Christ. And how do we look at our bodies now that we know Christ and are guaranteed of our salvation? Well, our physical body is susceptible to death, and that is our mortal body. We are going to die one day. The second thing, that uh, second term that we will define here is members. You may think of a member of a club, a member of a church, a member of a union, uh, but these are members of, it says here in the text, members of the body. So these are parts of the physical body, including your will, your mind, and then what we can see, your hands, your feet, what we can hear, your mouth. All right, so these are parts of your body, and we'll see what God's Word says about the members of our physical body. Instruments, these are just tools. You may have a pen. I have a pen that I like. It does not stay in the cup on my desk because many of you borrow those pens, and some of them make it back to my cup on my desk, and some of them don't. And I don't want my favorite pen 
leaving and never coming back. So it, it stays in a different place than on the, cup, the, the Grace Bible Church pens. They stay in the cup on my desk, and you can keep those, uh, and I don't really care. Um, but an instrument is a tool. Some of you men, some of you ladies, love tools. Um, I love Home Depot, and the favorite part of Home Depot is the tool section. And I do not like shopping except for tools. That is the only thing I was, I'm just going to go look. And I didn't understand just shopping to look and not buy. Are you crazy? That's a waste of time. Oh, but wait, the tool section at Home Depot. Ah, that's different, all right? (laughs) Something that I'm interested in. So an instrument is a tool. A tool is something useful. And I, I bet you some of you got tools, something useful for Christmas. And then unrighteousness, opposite of righteousness, which we'll see uh, in the text as well. Unrighteousness is that which, that which disrupts relationships. When he's talking about relationships here in Romans 6, he is going to say to yield our members to God as instruments for righteousness and don't yield your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. There is a way to use our bodies in a way that's not useful. If you borrow someone's tool, let's say you borrow a chainsaw, and there is a way to dig a trench in your yard, but it's not in the dirt. It's not with a chainsaw that's meant for cutting down trees. If you ever use a chainsaw, the second rule of chainsaw use, the first is don't cut yourself. The second is don't hit the ground. If you hit the ground with a chainsaw, you dull your chain pretty fast. So there is a way to not use tools that are not useful or helpful. And unrighteousness, as we use our bodies for unrighteousness, it's going to disrupt, destroy, distort um, relationships with God and others. So we'll see what we can learn uh, about uh, these words. All right, so what are the opposites in these verses? Now, we're going to go verse by verse, and this is where I'd like for you to leave some gaps in your notes, verse 12, and then a gap, verse 13, and then a gap, and we'll fill in, fill in the gaps. So what are the opposites in these verses? Let's read verse 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Back to verse 12, we don't see an opposite. We see a a warning here. We'll have to apply the opposite, all right? Sin reigning in your body. What does sin reigning in your body look like? Well, here it says in verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. How do we know if sin is ruling these physical bodies, these bodies that are susceptible to death, how do we know? Well, someone is obeying its passions, sinful passions, sinful desires. And Scripture tells us what is sin and what is not sin. And when sin reigns in your body, it can control your mind, your will, your your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouth, the physical parts of your body. 
When sin is in control of your physical body, you feel like you're trapped and you have to obey its passions. Culture can call this addiction. I have to give in to this addiction. Why? Because sin is reigning in your body. But for the Christian, verse 12 says, let not sin therefore reign in your body. So let's assume something. Christians do not have to allow sin to reign in their mortal body. God will not give you a command that's impossible for you to obey. If He tells you to do something, He gives you, we'll see later, the grace, the power to do that. So when God says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, which leads to disobeying God, you're obeying the passions of your sinful body. The opposite is God reigning and you obeying Him. All right, verse 13 makes an obvious um, opposite here. Let's read verse 13 again. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness. If we have to dig a trench, we do not use a chainsaw. We use a shovel. The shovel is the right tool for the job. So if you break the handle on the shovel, let's pull out the chainsaw. Nope, nope, nope. Let's fix the handle on the shovel. There's the right tool for the job. It says here, don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. So, members are parts of your body, parts of your physical body. Instruments, tools, something that is valuable, useful. And then unrighteousness, something that is destructive, detrimental, disrupting relationships. So, when God says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness, that's a command. Why? Because sin doesn't control our bodies anymore. We've been set free. So, our opposite here, allowing your physical body, this is not a victim. You're not a victim. Your body is not a victim. I just have to do it. No, you don't have to do it as a Christian. You're free. How do we know we're free? Well, we can look back at Romans 5 and tell that we're free. Will you allow your physical body to be a tool for unrighteousness? That's a choice that you have. You're not forced to sin. You don't have to sin as a Christian. You don't have to think unrighteous thoughts. You don't have to say unrighteous things. You don't have to text unkind texts. You don't have to laugh at dirty jokes. Why as a Christian? Because... I don't have to allow my physical body to be a tool for unrighteousness anymore. Continuing in verse 13. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Now, the presentation of a tool. On a mission trip a couple years ago, uh, there's a couple men on our mission team that thought it would be funny to take a picture of my son, who was at that time probably 13, with a chainsaw in his hand. 
And I wasn't present. He took a picture of my son holding a chainsaw, sent it to me. I'm like, yeah, he's learning how to use a chainsaw. He's like 13. As a parent, I wasn't, I knew they were joking. Um, If they weren't joking, I wouldn't have been happy. Because 13-year-olds, for the most part, aren't old enough to handle chainsaws. You would not allow, you should not allow, your 13-year-old to get behind the wheel of the car and drive your family home. Why? Because your car is an instrument, and you will be disruptive (laughs) on the highway. It will not go well for you if you get pulled over, and a 13-year-old that you allowed to drive is sitting in the driver's seat. Oh, sure, they want to, but they shouldn't. You have a choice as a parent, grandparent. Don't allow your 13-year-olds to drive or cut down trees with chainsaws. Okay, as a Christian, you have the choice to allow your physical body to be a tool for unrighteousness or what's going to help our thinking and our lifestyle to be different as Christians. Then our world is preaching your body, your choice, and we are thinking, no, I've got this truth in God's Word that contradicts your body, your choice. And this passage says, I have to present myself to God. Why do I have to present myself to God? He continues in verse 13. As those who have been brought from death to life. It doesn't matter if all other 13-year-olds are driving. The rule is 15 and a half for New Hampshire, 16 for Mass. If you're not following the laws, then you're disobeying. As a Christian, we say we are free from, we don't have to present our parts of our body as instruments for unrighteousness. We can present ourselves to God. Why? Because we have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments, not for unrighteousness, which is disrupting relationships. Present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So if unrighteousness disrupts relationships, what does righteousness do? It strengthens them. Every time I tell the truth to my wife, you know what happens to our marriage? It gets stronger. Every time I lie to my wife, you know what happens to our marriage? It gets weaker. This isn't rocket science. This is just plain and simple. This is how relationships work. If I use part of my body for unrighteousness, I'm disrupting and destroying relationships around me. And I don't have to do that as a Christian. I need to allow, I need to present my body to God. Why? Because I've been brought from death to life. I don't have to live an unrighteous life as a Christian. Now I can, but I don't have to. And any Christian that says, I just have to sin... That's not true because of Romans 6. So letting sin reign versus God reigning, we will be able to tell because Galatians 5 tells us that we can tell the fruit of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit. It's obvious when this happens over the course of time. Allowing your physical body to be a tool for unrighteousness and justifying it as a Christian, isn't where we want to be. 
allowing your body to be, because you're alive to God, now you can present your body, all parts of your body, as tools, instruments for righteousness, and relationships are strengthened. And then the final verse here, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. I would expect verse 14 to say, you're not under sin, but you're under grace. But he, I tied it to what we see in law and grace from Romans 3, 4, and 5, because I think that's what Paul's trying to get us here to see. When sin is reigning, the law is playing a bigger role than it's supposed to play in the Christian's life. See, the unsaved are under law, under sin and the law. Believers are saved. We're under God's grace. Now you can take it too far and think, ha, 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 I'm not under the law anymore. And if you think that, Paul's going to smack you down in verse 15, right? Because that's the context of the passage. Okay, don't let your mind, don't let your body like, I can do whatever I want now. No, 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 no. Stay, stay on the sidewalk here of biblical truth and uh, ask God to help you to think uh, this way. The unsaved only have sin. They only, in, in Galatians 5 terms, they only have the flesh. They don't have the spirit. Here, they only have one master. They only have sin. And Romans 3 and 4 and 5 all told us whenever you are living under sin and the law comes in, it just makes you feel more and more guilty. It's a horrible way to live. And God doesn't want us to live that way. Yes, He wants us to obey. And obeying not because we're afraid of God judging us with the law. We obey because we are presenting our bodies to God. And sin has no... There's an expectation here in verse 14. Look at it again with me. For sin will have no dominion over you. This is how every single Christian is to live. Paul assumes this. Sin will have no dominion over you. It won't control you. Sin gives you an email or a declaration, hey, this is your body, your life, your choice, let's go live it up. Friday night, Saturday night, oh, it's New Year's Eve. Tonight, let's go live it up. Tomorrow morning, we won't even know what we did last night or tonight. This is not how Christians live. If you are planning to go get drunk tonight, please don't. Why? Because it's not your body. It's not your choice. Why? Because God purchased your body. We remembered that purchase at the very beginning of our service in communion. We live differently. We celebrate the new year very differently than the world. Because we're under God's grace. Sin doesn't have any dominion over us anymore. Since we're not under the law but we're under grace. So I'm going to summarize, and here is the main points of verse 12, 13, and 14. I don't have to let sinful desires 
control me. I'm just going to summarize the verses for us here. I don't have to let sinful desires control me. Why? Because you're not under the law anymore. Now, if you're an unsaved person and you haven't trusted in Christ alone from Romans 4, you're not enjoying the benefits of our salvation in Romans 5, and you're not growing to be more holy in Romans 6, then yeah, your sinful desires are controlling you, and what you need is salvation. You need to trust Christ alone, and uh, you can read Romans 10.9 and recognize Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, and then you'll be saved. But Romans 6 is to believers, and believers don't, let, don't have to let sin, sinful desires control them any longer. Verse 13a, first part, I don't have to present my body to do unrighteousness. Anytime you're uh, convinced by your friend, by your own heart, by the world, and says, hey, let's go do this. You've, you will only live once, and there's all kinds of lies that the world tells us to believe. And we say, wait a minute, this sounds a lot like my body, my choice. No. I don't have to present my body to do unrighteousness. I don't have to frequent bars. I don't have to look at pornography. I don't have to text unkindness. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to sin in any way at all. Since my body belongs to God, I am free to present my body to my new king. See, if you keep presenting your body to sin, it's going to destroy you and the people around you. But you don't have to follow that new king. That new king has thrown open the bars of your life, and you are free to walk in newness of life. You're free to present your body every day, and it should be a daily thing. We die to self. We present our, God, our bodies to God every day and ask God to control our mind, control our mouth, control our hands, control our feet, control everything. And anytime He convicts us, the Holy Spirit inside of us, that we should not have said that, should not have done that, we quickly agree with God against ourselves. And if we've sinned against someone, we go make it right with them. I'm free to present my body to my new king. And when I do that, He will use it for righteousness. It's a guarantee. And then verse 14, I'm free from the law, sin, to live in God's grace. You can see Romans 3, 4, and 5, how the law intensified uh, sin. As the law comes in, the law is not wrong. Sin is wrong, but the law magnifies our sin. And when we present our bodies to our new king, you know, what's who, you know who's being magnified? Not the law and sin. Jesus Christ is being magnified. And when you and I come and gather to worship and we're singing, all glory be to Christ the King, you know what we're doing? We're magnifying Christ the King. And 2024 is His year, not ours, to do with whatever we want. If He allows us to live another year, we live it for Him. If He decides this is the year that is our last, then we'll go to glory, serving, and obeying Him. Why? Because we're free from the law, and we're free to live in God's grace. So, a couple thoughts here in conclusion. 
Law reigns versus grace reigns. This is application. What might this look like in everyday Christian living? Now, I've given you some thoughts already, but some more, maybe sharpening the, the point of the sword here. Stepping on your toes. All right, someone who is allowing uh, sin and the law to rule them, a Christian, may think thoughts like this. I must use my resources to control people or things. And I'm going to magnify the resources as your, your money, your influence, and definitely your technology. All that you have that you can reach out and influence people with. How are you using your resources? Is it, I want to control people in my life. And I'm going to control things. I'm going to get my way. Or the Christian thinks, we still have the resources. But now that I'm God's, I will just use these resources to serve Him and others. Online is a great, and social media, uh, excellent to use to serve God and others. Wonderful ways to connect. Or wonderful ways to sin. As a Christian, we are going to, as a church, we're going to help each other to think like the second part of these thoughts. The second um, competing thoughts here, I must use my resources, my technology, my prosperity, my influence, to know all things. The internet is extremely seductive in trying to make you think that you can know all things. There are apps that we can track people with because I want to know everything. As a parent, I want to see every single text that my kids send. You know what that's going to do for me? I'm going to get worn out pretty fast because I'm not God. And now I've told my kids who have cell phones, I can't see every text. And you can delete texts before I see them. But you know who does see them? God. And you have got to give your fingers when you text are those fingers instruments of God for righteousness or instruments for unrighteousness? As a parent, as a grandparent, you cannot know all things. I don't care how much you're online. You cannot know all things. And as a Christian, we're going to focus on the second part here. I'm fine with just him knowing. There's so much about life I just can't know. I'm fine with God just knowing all things. I'll know what I can. I'll use the energy that I have, but I'm fine with God just knowing. I'll trust Him because He knows all things. Why do we want to control and know all things? Well, this last one may be you and me at times. I must use my resources to create myself. We can create ourselves online in particular to make us tall, dark, and handsome, extremely educated, funny. And when people get to meet with us, they're like, okay, this is not what I expected. <laughs> and the incredible pressure that especially young people have on themselves to create themselves online. 
if we're going to disciple them, tell them you don't have to create yourself. You don't have to. God has redeemed your body, your will, your desires, your heart, your fingers, your mind, everything about you. And God has redeemed your body, we'll see this in chapter 8, to recreate you to be like Jesus. Not to create you so that you are unique and you're very, very special apart from Christ. No, we are special because we are in Christ and in His grace. So we're okay with God reigning. We are aware that the sin that's in us and the law that magnifies that sin is going to want to keep trying to control our bodies and lie to us. And we have to use the truth of God's Word from Romans 6, 12 to 14, uh, to live faithful, obedient lives with these physical bodies. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for Your truth. So thankful for uh, how clear Your Word is. Help the unclarity that I brought to it to be clear to Your people today. And help them to apply it specifically to themselves, to their families, to those that they are discipling. I pray that our conversations uh, around uh, Your Word now would please You, that we would evaluate our lives to see if we are presenting ourselves, um, our bodies, as instruments for unrighteousness. And we're convicted by Your law, and we are sinning with these with these physical bodies. I pray that you convict us and help us to uh, repent as you convict us. Help us to agree with the Holy Spirit and your word. Help us to repent with those that we have sinned against. And help us to present our bodies to you every single day as instruments for righteousness. We don't want sin to have dominion over us. We want you to control every single part of our physical bodies. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.